guys, it's Jennifer. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Uncommon Knowledge. Today, I'm going to confess to you guys a way in which I am not perfect. I know. I know. It's a shock. For those of you that know me in real life, I am the model of perfection. I I joke, but I actually um, do struggle with perfectionism. So uh, me kind of wearing that and owning my imperfections and sharing them with people has become a way actually that I work through that for myself, but also help others in the sense I think all of us need that feeling of we're not alone in something. And I have found that when I share ways that I am not perfect, ways that I am actually human, it helps others. It helps others through identification, being able to trust that that they're not going to share something with me and be judged for it. Because um, if I can tell you all the ways that I'm not perfect, I, I will probably make you feel better about any of the things that have occurred in your life. So anyway, today's sharing of ways in which Jennifer isn't perfect is titled, There's a Storm Coming. And I I, I laughed when I thought of this title for it because I thought it sounded so ominous, like, ha there's a storm coming. And it just made me chuckle and it just made me giggle because it brings to mind really kind of the correlation I'm going to make, the, the way I'm going to show you and walk you through this issue, this thing that I'm, I'm working on in my life. It's just, it's just humorous for me to look back on something now. And as I get more distance from it, to look back on it and say, oh my God, that was the craziest thing. Like I wasted so much time, energy, emotion, you name it, on that particular thing. What in the world, Jennifer, what were you thinking? So if you've ever lived in an area that has hurricanes, awesome, great. You should be able to picture what I'm about to describe pretty easily. You can also fact check me. And if I've said something wrong, let me know because my memory from this is is going back a few years. I have not had to live in an area with hurricanes uh, for quite some time. I most often deal with tornadoes now. But if you've never lived someplace where there's hurricanes, hopefully um, what I'm about to describe will enable you to, to paint a picture clear enough that you can imagine yourself living in this situation. Imagine what it feels like to be in that situation. Growing up in Houston, we had a few opportunities or occasions to witness firsthand what a hurricane was like. Sometimes uh, it was just the the rain that we would get. It would just, the hurricane would just kind of come to the coast and kind of graze Galveston. And, and because of that, we would get all of the rain. Uh, at least one occasion, the hurricane did actually come inland enough and directly enough that it, it passed right over the part of Houston that, that we lived in. And typically with a hurricane, you have time to prepare or to evacuate. If it's, if it's safe enough to stay, then you go through the process of preparing your home for bracing, for surviving, for the impact of, of what's coming. And with the hurricane, it's not just rain that you're preparing for. It's wind and all the things that come within a storm. So you go and do these certain things. And, you know, you may do everything from putting like sandbags down along the edge of your property. Um, you can't stop the water from rising necessarily, but you can kind of hope to slow it down. And then you go and you put boards like you get like plywood and put boards on any windows that you can reach or that are in the main areas where you'll be living for those those next few days. 
you do this to kind of prevent the glass from breaking or um, if it's going to break, you prevent it from you know shattering into your house or, or exposing your your home to the outside elements. We used to put masking tape on the glass as well so that if it did break, it would not shatter into a million pieces and, and potentially damage us or our uh, belongings. So then you also fill bathtubs and sinks. And I remember being a kid thinking this was the strangest thing. Um, it was one of those times I think when my mom just said that I needed to go do something and that it was just delivered as, I, I need you to trust me. I need you to go do this. There wasn't a lot of explanation up front. And when I look back on it now, I remember, you know, kind of just questioning, like, why do I gonna need to go fill the bathtub? Like, it's kind of a strange time to take a bath. We're gonna have, you know, get ready for a storm. And, you know, thankfully as a kid, I just was a little bit compliant and just did what was asked of me. Though I do remember thinking that maybe I should put bubbles in it because, you know, if we're gonna take a bath that wouldn't we want to have bubbles in there and that was more fun. I'm very, very glad that I did not. And I'm sure my mother is also very, very glad that I did not because that was water that was going to be intended to do things like brush your teeth, wash your hands, flush the toilet. Should there be some kind of damage to the water system that would either prohibit water from getting to your house or make the water that was coming in unsafe. I'm super glad that I didn't have, you know, bubble water to, to, <laughs> to drink or brush my teeth with. Though for the other things, it probably would have been fine. But I can also imagine my mother's horror it, you know, if she'd come into two bathrooms full of bubbles. Anyway, so then you also do things like distribute candles and matches or flashlights and batteries to each of the main locations that you're going to be in because you could lose power or it just gets like very, very dark. And so it's, it's kind of nice to have those on hand so you don't have to worry about not being able to see in a time of need. Then you stock up also on food items or like kind of other sundries that, um, particularly food items that you can consume without heat or electricity, you know, in order to cook them or prepare them. Because again, you may not have power. Uh, you may not also have the ability to, like if you don't have a gas stove or anything like that, you know, you don't have to, a way to heat something. So you need to have a uh, food that is going to be safe for you to consume without heating it. I think as a kid, I wanted to like stockpile Twinkies and Cheerios and any, any of those things. Cause I figured like, those are like my favorites. If it had been Girl Scout season, it would have been Thin Mints, but that's another story. You know, some of the other things that I think we did is we planned for activities, something to distract yourself because you could be kind of in this hunkered down state for several days. It makes for interesting life with with your family, especially when you're, you know, now all of a sudden uh, you're all in, an, in a high state of alert and emotions are running high and you are now confined to a space together <laughs> with really no escape. Uh, I remember even like we we all slept in, in my parents' bedroom that way because at that time at our house my parents bedroom was downstairs and my sister and I were upstairs and, and kind of as far as you could possibly be from from my parents which you know on, on a day-to-day basis is pretty good because you know you don't want to hear each other when you're sleeping in that kind of time of crisis or emergency or natural disaster or storm those kind of things I think my sister and I were relocated downstairs so that we were all in the same room at night there was this connection and that I wasn't out on an island it's a lot, a lot of work to prepare your home for something like that. 
requires a lot of energy and requires a lot of physical activity. It requires a lot of um, mental fortitude, emotional fortitude, especially when you're preparing and doing these things for, for when other people are involved, right? Um, I imagine if I had to do this now, and, and even when I've gone through tornadoes, you know, living here in Dallas with my son, uh, there's there's a level of that I have to bring of emotional fortitude. I have to not be scared. I have to pull it all together, protect our home and get us in a safe situation and be calm, cool and collected because I need him to feel safe. And part of that is he feeds off of what I've got going on. So so learning how to prepare my house for a storm has been, you know, an exhaustive thing. Hopefully, you know, you can kind of have gotten that picture of, you know, a family running around, putting out bags and filling up bathtubs and, you know, an elementary kid contemplating putting bubbles in a tub, you know, getting your home prepared to withstand a storm and, and doing it to a level that you hope is more than adequate. You don't know exactly with the level of impact that's coming. You know a storm is coming, but you're not quite sure what the the sustained damage is going to be. So hopefully you can picture it and, and hopefully you can kind of feel the energy when you when you think about what it would be like to put yourself in that situation, the energy around doing those things, preparing those things. And I very much can. Not just because I've lived it, but because I've lived my life preparing for a storm that is other people's emotional reactions to things. I have prepared for what would potentially be somebody's anger at at me, at something that I had done, just anger in general um, that was maybe their emotional response, their emotional meltdown, their physical outburst at their emotions, me being prepared to to wear that and me being prepared to, to weather that storm. I've lived that growing up because I was very much afraid of ever angering a parent, uh, ever being the source of their anger, being a innocent bystander of that anger. I very much feel what other people feel. Empathy is a, is a, is a very strong thing for me. I, I can very much understand and feel what others are feeling. Part of that has meant this balance of it. I, I, at some point in the, along the lines, I understood wrongly so, but at a point I felt like I had to wear and bear the responsibility for somebody else's emotions. And I started to to change who I was. And, and I didn't even realize it when I was a kid. I did not realize when I was young that this is what I was doing. It's only been in the last 10 years that I've looked back on things and identified them as they are. But as a kid, I was so focused on changing myself as far as my behaviors go because I was mentally and emotionally preparing a house and physically, you know, in the sense that I I even changed my behaviors for somebody else's storm. I was mentally, emotionally, physically preparing my house, and there's quotes on that one, for preparing my person for their storm. 
I was, you know, shuttering myself down. I was hunkering down in a sense. I was eliminating activities, behaviors, and all these things uh, in the name of preparing for a storm or staving off. Even in years, I would find myself that I, you know, was changing behaviors in order to hopefully avoid the storm. I stopped anything that uh, provoked anger. I stopped, you know, expressing my own thoughts and feelings about things, especially as I kind of explored new areas and discovered my new discoveries. If they were things that were counter to what was expressed in, in my home. And I kind of touched about it in my in the first episode that I did. We talked about tattoos. Um, I grew up in a very, very religious home. And that's not a bad thing. It's not good or bad in a sense. It's it's something that shaped me. It was, you know, part of that creation story for, for my for my background. But I grew up in a very religious home. Uh, my mother believes very much that you should not mark your bodies. Part of that is her upbringing and the home she was raised in. It's what she believes for herself and identifies for herself. And understandably, I understand now as a mom that we put things on our kids unknowingly because they're the things that we value and that we identify with. And my mom was not being malicious in her her intent. She was just living her life to that, but very communicative, very vocal about her beliefs to that. And so when I discovered that I believed different, that I believed counter to that, rather than talk about those things, I just didn't. <laughs> I just I just shoved it down and put it away because it, it might cause animosity in the home. It might cause somebody to be angry um, or actually so many times the worst to be disappointed, right? To be expressed that, that, that somebody was disappointed. I stopped having friends over for fear that our behavior would anger or, uh, as, as I would say, would wake the bear. Uh, for my dad, my my dad was a very, still a very tall, big, booming voice. I lived in fear of ever making him angry uh, because doing so made for a really uncomfortable environment. Lots of yelling, lots of communication about expectations and how you were not meeting them. Part of me wanted to protect my friends from ever having to see that. And doing that, I was kind of readjusting and, and changing my patterns of behavior because I was afraid of ever doing anything that that triggered those because the emotional toll that I paid was great. And so I thought the balance to that was to prepare my house and to put the energy into preparing my house for somebody else's storm. I even did that to the level of trying to work things in the environment to the extent that I prevented the storm from ever happening, which is just crazy on some level when I look back at my life and think I literally tried to control the uncontrollable in the name of avoiding somebody else's storm. And and that's just, it's unrealistic to think that you can control those environments. But that's how far down that rabbit hole I was, that I needed to avoid so much their anger and wearing it and what it meant for me and that I couldn't separate their anger from my emotional state that I had to, you know, kind of just do as much as I possibly could to prevent that from happening. And, 
you know, one of the other ways that that's described is kind of walking on eggshells. I just live my life walking on eggshells, not ever wanting to upset the balance. And I actually then repeated that pattern with my ex-husband. When we were married, I found myself walking on eggshells to prevent those things. And I almost repeated that with a recent relationship. But thankfully, um, you know, I've learned the signs of storm prepping. For me, it's things like when I stop expressing my desires, my wants, my needs, when I stop communicating about how things make me feel, I have to, I now know enough to stop and intervene with myself and ask myself why I'm doing that. And if it becomes a habitual thing, like I start to notice I'm doing it more often. If it's once, it's like, okay, well, I just, I realized that was a, you know, it was like a one-off thing and that was really on me and I worked through it because those things exist. But if I start to realize that they're, you know, it's it's a repeating occurrence and or starting to occur more frequently, then to me that's a flag and something I need to address. But the thing that I have learned through these experiences is that I am not and should not be responsible for other people's reactions or their emotions. It's enough that I am responsible for my actions, my emotions, my thoughts, all of those things, that's enough. Um, I don't need to try to take on somebody else's feelings and emotions and thoughts and and their behaviors. And my prepping my house for an emotional or mental storm takes a lot, a lot of energy. That's energy that I could be using or investing in a world of opportunities that are better you know, serving purposes. And the more I've explored the futility of preparing my house for someone else's storm, the more I've seen that it's like preparing your actual home to survive the famous red storm of Jupiter. It's not even on the same planet. I mean, that's how futile it is. And it's, it's something that it didn't change overnight because I didn't get that way overnight. And it's something that has really meant intentionally practicing the act of identifying those behaviors when I see them, when I notice them as far as my behaviors, making the decision to stop immediately and not wear others' emotions, not be preparing for their storm. And as I've practiced that, I've distanced myself from it which means it's easier and easier for me to not only identify the triggers or those behaviors, but to put into practice the different behaviors, the new behaviors that I want to do. I've learned to recognize it sooner and I've learned to redirect my behavior. I've learned to end relationships if I discovered that that's a main central theme and not something that's going to change. I've learned to uh, respect really myself and my feelings enough to know that I matter and I don't need to diminish myself in the name of protecting myself from somebody else's emotions or protecting them from themselves. And it's not just for that stand up for yourself, rightful thing. It's about making healthier decisions, having a healthier mindset, really kind of setting myself up to have much more healthier relationships. Um, And as always, 
it's about me having something that I can share with others who might need to hear this. They, they might be preparing all the time, living in a constant state of alert for somebody else's storms, and they might be exhausted. So if you're listening and that's you, I want you to know that you're not alone. That is my insight into ways Jennifer is not perfect and my share with you uh, on the journey of my life for this week. As always, I am open to feedback and you know any suggestions or comments that you guys might have, especially if you're in this arena with me. So until next episode, I hope you're well. Thanks for listening. <laughs>